Hello. It's Farah. <laughs> you see me trying to put on my happy voice. <laughs> you are listening to Face the Fearless. It is one o'clock in the afternoon on the first day of June. And I tried really hard to tell myself, nope, you're not going to be negative Nancy again. We're going to, we're going to move forward. We're going to just, just like clear that out before you start talking. And that didn't happen. So, okay, let's talk about it. So I've been focusing a lot on my past. I think that's simple human conditioning, human programming, human nature to look back. Some it for some it is, others it isn't. Um for me right now it's a major focus. Kind of looking at, you know, reviewing the tapes and seeing how I've behaved and how I've worked through things in the past. And assessing what I have learned. One thing I know about myself is that I prefer to face situations uh, head first and on hard mode. I learn better that way. Um, I struggle with transition, like getting up from doing what I was doing and then going to run an errand, like the transition of that type of thing. Um, Transitioning from an event ending and then getting into the car like that. It's like an emotional transition, um, a mental transition. It's always hard for me um, because I get so locked in. And, uh, As we all know, COVID has been a big thing, like the biggest thing over the last year or so, um, and it's starting to lift. Um, one of my favorite venues is having their first event back on June 10th, and I heard about it, thought about it, and instinctively everything in me was like, we gotta go, we gotta go, and... There may be some of you who knew me in 2019. (laughs) If you did, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, If you didn't, let's recap. So in 2019, I was living alone and in school enrolled as a um, student to become an esthetician. I had just discovered EDM, electronic dance music, the rave scene, all of that. And I went to shows quite frequently. By quite frequently, I mean two or three times a weekend for six months straight. Um, that was my lifestyle. I, I, I built my identity around it. I was proud to be that person. 
I, um, I finally felt free. Yet, ironically, I had never felt more trapped in my entire life. So it was a very uh, hypocritical state of being. Um, and I dodged every single spiritual revelation, spiritual awakening, soul evolution, soul cycle, beginning, all of that, time and time again, until one day I just couldn't avoid it any longer. And um, I briefly touched on that that period of my life, I think, in a podcast or two ago. It all kind of um, took heed, and uh, that journey of who I am now started in November of 2019. And the nine months leading up to that, honestly, uh, well, purposefully, I should say, more accurately, I purposefully have blocked out a lot of those nine months because I'm, I'm very regretful of the choices that I've made and the person that I was and what and whom I interacted with. And for me, in my mind, the only way to transcend that experience and prove to myself that I have surpassed that level of being, that plane of existence, is to throw myself back into the ring as an evolved individual with new tools and new mindsets and basically like re-beat the game. If we're talking about going back to a level that, you know, yeah, you got past it because the story evolves, the chapters keep going, but you're like, I could have, I could have, you know, reached and grabbed a couple more gold stars, you know, like I just, I just barely skid by that level. I didn't, you know, excel at it. And to me, I want to excel every, at everything I do. High standards, very, very high standards. Um, so when I saw that this venue was advertising an event, their first event back, I looked at it immediately as an opportunity to throw myself into the ring and revisit a demon, I guess, a boss, let's put it into uh, neutral terms, a boss level type thing, you know, entity, whatever you want to call it, uh, a situation where I could beat it and excel. And I was like, well, there's no other way to do it than to just show up and do it, you know? So, as my mother used to say, you just and do it. So, I kind of analyzed it, and I was listening to a Richard Grannon YouTube video that he posted, I think, yesterday or the day before. If you have not heard of Richard Grannon, highly recommend his materials. He is an incredible... <laughs> big bad daddy of psychology those are his words and I wholeheartedly agree with um, with his personal analysis but he was talking about how the inner critic can turn into the voice of a golem you know it can be very aggressive very self-deprecating you know and how often do we switch into putting that um, inner critic in the driver's seat you know of our foref or of our forefront of our thoughts and um, my inner critic this morning was just like, you gotta transcend. You're not doing enough work. You're not playing on hard mode. You've slipped into medium mode. And then that opportunity popped up on my Twitter feed. And I was like, yeah, let's just go. Like, let's do that. Let's throw myself back into the ring of like, 
Triggerlandia of being in a venue surrounded by people who used to know me as this one person who I certainly am not anymore and be around the things I used to do and just prove to myself that I am past it, that I am beyond it. That'll, that'll show myself who's boss, I guess. Uh, it's, you know, even just saying it out loud right now, I'm like, that's not really smart at all. And I had to sit with it and talk out loud and just really realize that, you know, I'm trying to accomplish something that I have already done. I have already proven to myself I'm not that person anymore. I have continued on with my evolutionary journey. I have changed. You know, I'm, I've made choices to better myself, to better my life. But I need this gigantic event, this monumental moment to document and like uh, be the flag, you know, in this in this stage of my chapter being like, yeah, look, I did the thing. I accomplished the goal, my mission. Who like it's like I think the world places these missions in my path. No, I do. I do. And you know, I I need to become satisfied with where I'm at and what I'm doing. I am doing all the right things. I am learning. I am continuing to grow. Yeah, I keep raising the bar like it's never enough. So, I kind of came to the conclusion that I was looking to self-sabotage by entertaining the idea of going to that event. And then I tried to justify it by saying that self-sabotaging is how I learn. Because one thing I am realizing actively, thank you, Tarot. I am um, in my bullet journal. I pull cards every day, tarot cards, and I ask questions. And then I interpret through my own meanings of the imagery what those cards are trying to tell me. It's like another voice. Um, my voice. And uh, lately, some of the messages, the repeating theme has been about projection and stop blaming others, stop using others, stop looking to outside sources, look to yourself. And it's like I wanted this, this venue, this event to manifest as a voice telling me, yeah, you know, kid, you're doing good. I'm proud of you. Um, I could easily tell myself that I could easily 
uh, take on the role of the reassuring parent because you know you have to parent yourself especially if you've grown up in certain conditions where a parent wasn't present or you know a parent was present but they were still absent which I don't know which one is worse honestly um and you have to like be kind to yourself yeah oh my god one of the things Richard Grannon said because he was talking about you know he he's a uh, he used to be a coach and you know he puts out all this material still that you know helps other people be the coaches in their own lives you know be your own coach type of mentality and you know he was saying that people were commenting that it, you know he's not putting out the right material or he's not you know no Richard we don't like what you're doing da 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 um And he said, well, why? Because you guys have been trying to um, basically demolish yourself, hate yourself so much, you know, recognize the fact that you are learning the lessons. Have you ever tried loving yourself through healing instead of hating yourself? And dude, <laughs> why don't you love yourself while you heal? Right? Like, it's so simple. It's always so simple. Well, sometimes simple ain't simple. A human in my life um, in January, maybe, of this year. Maybe it was December of last year. I don't know. One of those months. It was in the winter. I know that. Um, we had a conversation about how you talk to yourself and basically he saw this on TikTok or whatever and he was like um he was recounting it to me and he said if what you say to yourself when you look in the mirror you can't say to a child to your child you need to reevaluate how you're speaking and that's still something that kind of reverberates in the back of my mind every so often when my inner critic voice goes all golem and all, you know, basically aggressive and demanding and drill sergeant. And I, I, I don't know. I don't like, I struggle with being kind to myself. I struggle to be gentle. I'm not a gentle person at all. So that concept to me is very, um, uh, foreign, yet I can be gentle with others. I can forgive others. I can sympathize, empathize, all those things, yet I make myself an exception to that rule. And then Richard was talking about um, how he he likes Jordan Peterson, but he doesn't always agree with everything he has to say because Jordan Peterson talks a lot about suffering. And that's just part of the human experience. Like, suffering is good, builds character and all that. Um, I would say I, I have more knowledge of... Um, 
Richard Grannon's material than I do Jordan Peterson's. Um, and I get very triggered. I got very triggered um, this morning when Richard Grannon mentioned that because to me, suffering is, um, to me, a sense of empowerment. Like, yeah, you have to suffer in order to learn. That's how I operate. I I guess I expect that for everyone else when not everybody is like that. I guess, you know, that's my own issue to work through. Why do I feel like I need to suffer in order to be uh, viewed as achieving something? Um, where in my programming does that fall? And he mentioned that that also has a lot to do with the Catholic Church, which, I mean, I grew up Catholic, so maybe, ding, 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 there's my answer. And at the same time, like, I guess there is a part of me that um, I, I, I understand. When you, do, when you do something wrong, when you make a mistake, when you are faced with a hardship or a lesson, like, yeah, you punish yourself. Well, how did I get here? Take responsibility. So it's like, where's the line, okay? Like, where's the line of taking responsibility and being accountable for your actions and then being self-deprecating and destructive and basically placing yourself into suffering so that you um, get the mark of approval, the stamp of approval that you have recognized the issue? Like, where's the line? I don't know. Um, when is it enough? When have you done enough? When have you achieved the goal? Who decides when you achieve the goal? Obviously, my higher self, my wise self says you do. Well, what defines my expectations of achieving the goal? Now there's crickets upstairs. Meaning in my brain, there's no response to that. <laughs> I think there's a part of me that likes when my my higher self is silent, like it doesn't have an answer, like, ha, gotcha, you don't know everything. How can I trust you if you don't have all the answers? Ha, ha, ha. Uh, maybe, I, uh, I, maybe I just like to be right. Maybe that's my ego. Okay, yeah. No, that's ego. Higher self is posting a quote on the message board in my brain right now saying, sitting atop your, lon uh, your mountain of righteousness is awfully lonely. It's from a forgiveness book. It's a white book with a feather on it. 10 Steps to Forgiveness, the forgi Forgiveness Formula. That's what it is. I still haven't finished that book for many reasons. It's very triggering because mm, I don't want to forgive myself. No, thank you. I've been, I've been shitty. I've done bad things. I've wasted years of my life. 
Yes, I know I am 23, and I should have learned these lessons earlier. Because they've caused a lot of damage to a lot of people. And I am to blame for how they choose to respond and react and live out their lives due to being entangled with me in some way. I should just come with like a caution sign on my forehead. Caution, do not interact. <laughs> like a do not feed the ducks sign at the park. <laughs> oh god. See, and there's my inner critic again. Oh my god. Like you, oh my gosh. Like everything you have to say, like or I say out loud, you have to um, take like a thorough analysis of like, okay, am I speaking from the, the super ego or the wise one? Oh, having this much like mental observation is hard it's exhausting like I remember when I just did shit and I did not give a fuck about consequences like I just didn't care my switch was off and then it turns on one day, and you cannot turn that shit back off. Would I want to? No, but still, it sucks. <laughs> and there's my ego throwing a little tiny tantrum. I should apply Richard Grandin's um, emotional literacy exercise to my ego right now. Um, I forget the order. I think it's I see ego that you feel. XXX. It's okay that you feel XXX. Here's what I'm going to do about it. So if we are applying that into the situation of feeling like I need um, to achieve this bar, this expectation bar that I keep constantly raising for myself. I see that I feel like I have not reached the bar. It's okay to feel like I have not reached the bar. And what I'm going to do about it is remind myself of how far I've come. Because I do not act impulsively like I did before. Yes, I still have impulses and I work on them. And I can be proud of myself that today, when the trigger of the event at the venue popped up on my feed, I didn't just go immediately buy a ticket. I sat and I thought about it versus before, a year and a half ago, I would have seen that shit and just, pfft, didn't matter if I had the day off of school, didn't matter if I had an assignment due the next day, whatever. I just, fuck it. Who cares? Figure it out later. I needed that instantaneous uh, boost serotonin and buying concert tickets was a huge serotonin boost and yeah it's temporary I see that I feel disappointed in myself it's okay that I feel disappointed in myself. And what I'm going to do about it is be proud of the active awareness that is present in my life that shows me these triggers 
and takes accountability for it and continues to push on because I know deep down the only way out is through. Oh my God, I had a fucking fucked up nightmare last night. Oh my God. So I watched a a DC Comics movie and you know, those are always so Hollywood. Like big explosions and the slow-mo and the you know, all the sound effects and the dramatization dramaticness, whatever. Um, and so I think because that was the last thing that I was like watching, you know, that got into my psyche, my subconscious, and that projected into my dreams of something that I am afraid of. And I'm a little afraid to talk about it. Um, because I, I, I hate being labeled. I don't like labels. Don't label me. I'm Farah. That's it. Period. Um, but in the dream, there was this army. And they were coming after me. And my family did nothing to stop it. In fact, they actually directed the army to me. Because unknowingly, they were a part of the army too. Well, I didn't connect the dots in the beginning. And then it all made sense. And I'm screaming and fighting as I'm being taken down by this army and I I feel myself surrender and there's that cold fear that drips down your spine of like okay this is happening and then in order to calm calm myself down I entered into a flashback reel of all of these beautiful moments in my life that mostly took place over the last two years and as the army got their way with me um I remember hearing my outside voice, like as if I was saying, if I, as if I was talking in my sleep. Um, in this book series, uh, Wheel of Time, uh, these two girls have to go through this test in order to prove that they can be raised to be accepted. And before they go through these arches, which are powered by magic, um, unexplainable magic that's older than most of the people who can still perform this magic like are still alive um the teacher the instructor's voice says um be steadfast the way out will come but once and they can hear that voice while they're going through the the simulations and type thing and so it's like i heard my voice in that same way that those girls in the story heard be steadfast um i heard myself say the only way out is through and i think I was able to bring myself out of the nightmare because of that. I got through it and then I woke up and that just fucked with me. First of all, because of the psychological meaning behind nightmares. And yeah, we could talk about how dreams are just a dream. A leaf is just a leaf. But no, like there's something so symbolic about that dream in particular. Um, And I think about how much unconscious fear I still deal with every day. And oh my gosh, um, <laughs> okay, I have to brace myself for bringing this into, into the conversation. Um, so I was talking with someone very close to me about all of my realizations about wanting to go to this event and all that. And they said to me, well, don't you think you should try handling going to the grocery store first before you go to this big event? And I just felt punched in the face. Because they're right. Like, they're so right. I struggle with going to the grocery store. 
Like I pick, I, you know, it's like this, uh, those sticky hands that you get out of the quarter machine and then you like drop that sticky hand on the carpet and then there's all that fuzzy attached to you, attached to it. Well, that's how I feel. Um, every time I'm out in public is I can feel everything everywhere I go. Nature is different. That feels like I am blending with, you know, with the trees, with the ocean, with the sky, with the ground, all the things. And yeah, like there are times recently, like I remember when all of the, um, I think this was a couple weeks ago at this point, um, Palestine, Palestine, forgive my ignorance over the pronunciation of that, that country. But, um, when all that stuff was going on and it was hitting our news, um, which I don't watch the news. I don't listen to the news. I don't have a news app on my phone. I don't, I used to keep up on like COVID cases and stuff back in, you know, early months of 2020, but I was realizing how much it was affecting my mental state. So I have actively chosen not to ingest any news at this point. But anyway, I remember that, that was everywhere. You know, it was the same thing with the whole black lives matter thing. That was everywhere. You couldn't get away from it. Um, and I remember being out in public a couple weeks back and just like panicking, like my body could not handle the amount of like stress and anger and sadness that I felt in every single person around me. And this is just at my local Fred Myers, like it's, and so I think that I'm able to, you know, withstand being in a fast paced, sweaty venue with people I used to know doing things I used to do and like stay sane. Like, am I being, am I being wise? Like, and that was just a punch in the gut to my ego. Like, Jesus Christ. It's true though. That's what sucks. I want to feel invincible. I'm not satisfied unless I feel invincible. How do you relieve yourself of that burden? Because, you know, humans are fragile. And there is beauty within the fragility. I don't know what this has to do with anything. I don't know how it's going to connect, but I'm getting the revelation right now of a previous partner of mine. And he always said that he's a tank. You know, he can take it. Um, his archetype was a paladin. 
and Paladin's job is to protect and to defend. And I get now why I guess it was so hard for him to put his walls down is because he was so wholeheartedly convinced that he had to be invincible in order to be valuable. I think that's why it triggered me so much that he did not let his walls down with me no matter how hard I tried. And then, to be fair, I also dealt with a lot of my own emotional um, projection issues. I, bl- I, I was still actively blaming a lot of people for my suffering during this time, and actually this was only a few months ago. Um, anyway, I don't know how that connects, but that, that, that all just came, came through. I described wanting to go to this event as me reclaiming my flag, putting the flag back at atop the mountain of something I have accomplished. And it's like proving, you know, it's getting the gold stars. It's proving to myself that I, I am successful. But if I put down the need to be approved by the world, I have already approved myself. I've already received my own round of applause. And why am I searching for more? Isn't one of the Ten Commandments, like, don't be greedy? I think I'm being a little greedy. It's never enough, you know? Like, I just, I need more. I need more. Like, Like, see me. See how hard I'm working. See how much I've done. Praise me for it. I must, I must receive this praise. Forgive me, Father. I have sinned. Like, fuck. Same energy. I'm going to do a thing. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. Um, I don't know if this is allowed, um, but I'm going to read a passage from a book. um, Because it just, God, it just screamed at me. Um, This is The Science of Mind, A Philosophy of Faith, A Way of Life um, by Ernest Holmes. And I am reading the June 1st. Um, passage. So in a part of the book, you can go, you can um, read a little bit of it every single day. And you also, I've been told, can read this at your own disposal, like however you want, backwards, forwards, all the things. Um, So for June 1st, it's um, page 177, paragraph 1 to page 180, paragraph 4. So page 177 starts with chapter 12, summary of part 2, spiritual mind healing. First division, ideation, a recognition of the power and the thought and purpose back of mind healing. The possibility of spiritual mind healing, changing environment, controlling conditions, etc., 
through the power of right thinking, rests entirely upon the theory that we are surrounded by a universal mind, which reacts to our thought, and always according to law. Spiritual man is perfect, but his individual use of life and law enables him to cover a perfect idea with an apparently imperfect cloak. Sickness is not a spiritual reality. It is an experience, an effect, and not a cause. The body, devoid of mentality, could neither know nor experience sensation. It is entirely an effect. The body of man is made from the same undifferentiated spiritual substance from which all creation is formed. Man comes into objectivity with the tendency of the race already subjectified within him through race suggestion. The race experiences sickness and limitation, and this suggestion is more or less operative through all people. It works through the subjective race thought and operates through the individual. Man not need consciously think negation in order to produce physical disturbance, but the physical correspondent is a logical outcome of what he thinks. Thus, we see not only how important it is to entertain right thoughts, but also the necessity of having a constructive base for our thinking. We find that prayer is essential to happiness, for righteousness prayer sets the law of spirit, sets the law of spirit of life in motion for good. Prayer is the essential to the conscious well-being of the soul. Prayer has stimulated countless millions to higher thoughts and better lives. Prayer is its own answer. Before our prayer is formed, or sorry, is framed in words, the possibility of its answer already exists. We find that faith in God is a spiritual quality of the mind, and an understanding of faith is based on immutable principle. Its action is higher than that of the intellect because it is born of intuition. One should have faith in himself, faith in his fellow man, in the universe, and in God. Our mind must be steady in its conviction that our life is some part of God and that the Spirit is incarnated in us. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. A spiritual practitioner is one who recognizes man as a spiritual reality. Since there is but one mind, the practitioner makes this recognition within his own mind. Through the medium of the one mind, his statements rise to objective conditions in his patient according to his belief and the patient's receptivity. Healing is accomplished through the act of setting subjective law in motion. The more spiritual or godlike the mentality of the practitioner, the more powerful the treatment. A mental treatment begins and ends within the thought of the practitioner, because he is in the same mind in which his patient lives. Treatment is the act of inducing right concepts on the subjective side of life. Absent and present treatments are the same, for there is no absence in the one presence. So far as the practitioner is concerned, there is no difference between an absent mind and a present treatment. He needs only to know whom he wishes to help, realizing that in the field of mind and spirit there is no apartness, and then he speaks the word for the other person in full confidence that the law will operate upon it. He is not concerned where the person is whom he desires to help or what he may be doing at that particular time. He is concerned only with his own thought relative to the person endeavoring to bring out his own mind the realization that this person is a spiritual entity governed by a perfect law, directed by positive intelligence, and animated by divine life, love, and law. There is no personal responsibility in healing. 
We should not feel that we put power into the word. The practitioner directs the power and lets it work. One does not hold thought in mental healing. He loses thought. A practitioner does not try to suggest, hypnotize, or mentally influence. He simply seeks to know that man is now a spiritual being, and he holds to that belief no matter what the appearance may be. Right mental treatment does not tire the one giving the treatment. Personal magnetism has nothing to do with the mental healing. The whole basis of the possibility of mental healing rests upon the premise that we all live in one creative mind, which reacts to our belief. It is though there were a universal ear listening to and hearing everything that we say, feel, or think and reacting to it. Healing is not a process but a revelation, for the revealing of the perfect man always heals. The process, if there is one, is the time and thought that it takes to arrive at the correct understanding of a man's perfect state and spirit. Anyone who can heal, who believes that he can, and who will take the time to set that belief in motion through the law, to daily see the perfect man, and to daily declare for his objective appearance, is correct mental practice and will heal. A treatment recognizes that all is mind, and that everything is mental. It dissolves all disease into thought, neutralizes the false thought and recognizes the true nothing can stop it from operating except a lack of faith in the reality of the truth and man's ability to use it in giving a mental treatment the practitioner first realizes his own being as spiritual then recognizes the spiritual state of his patient's being then he attacks the false claim and brings the evidence of truth to bear against it thinking in such a manner as to completely destroy the false claim and realize the truth in such a degree as this acknowledgement is complete, petition is transmuted into acceptance, and the mind actually feels that the object of its desire is an already accomplished fact. Oh, okay. The greatest good that can come to anyone is the forming within him of an absolute certainty of himself and of his relationship to the universe, forever removing the sense of heaven as being outside himself. Such an understanding teaches us that there can never come a time when we shall stop progressing. That age is an illusion. That limitation is a mistake. That unhappiness is ignorance. This understanding will rob man of his loneliness and give him a sense of security which knows no fear, a peace without which no life can be happy, a poise which is founded on this peace, and a power which is the result of the union of peace with poise. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, Science of Mind, a book that has been given to me for, ah, I think I've had this since September, maybe a little bit later, and I've read a little bit of it. I actually read something once back in November, um, And I've always been afraid of this book, and so I haven't touched it. And now it has told me, read me more often. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, on that note, I think I, um, yeah, I, I don't feel silly. I guess I feel more at peace with what I was struggling with about two hours ago and now I'm 
Yeah, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, yeah, that's all I've got. Uh, this has been Farah. You've been listening to Face the Fearless. Thank you for joining me, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>